This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really. And the best part is anyone can take advantage of GMC's platform by signing up for consignment services. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com consignment and start moving your cards with Greg Morris today. What's up, everyone? This is episode 253 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my X account is at Wax Museum PC. Okay, it has been a busy week for me with my family in town for Christmas and all that fun stuff. And yeah, we're celebrating a little late this year, but that's when my sister and brother-in-law and my nephew could come down. And my nephew even brought his Pokemon binder with him this time around. Of course, I gave the basketball card thing another try with him. This time we ripped some clearance prism cellos from Walmart, and his ended up being a lot better than mine. He pulled a green Cade rookie, but you know he still has Pokemon on the mind, so I probably just need to fuel that habit instead, but you better believe... I'm going to keep trying more random basketball packs here and there. And the good news is he appears to have that collecting gene. And if you missed that, I I talked about that a little bit with Eric a couple weeks ago. And I think that also came up in today's conversation with Dan, among other things. I really enjoyed learning about his new custom card project. I think you will as well. So that'll come up in today's main segment. You'll want to make sure to stay tuned for that. But first... Just real quick, I want to share one piece of mail that I got in this week because uh, it really exceeded my expectations. And maybe you saw it on my YouTube channel already, but it is a 2023 Panini National Convention Case Breaker Marketing Gold of Benedict Mather and numbered 7 out of 10. And it was a PSA 6. Keyword was. It has since been freed. Obviously, from the name you can see, this was some sort of national exclusive from this past year. And with case breakers and finding information about these sets can be kind of tricky. And some of you might remember seeing a silver chromium Victor Wimbanyama card posted online sometime around the national from the silver national packs. I think that was his first licensed Spurs card. Well, this case breakers parallel looks just like that set, except this one is gold. And I don't think Victor actually had a gold version. It's complicated. But anyway, this Mathern is gold. And I wouldn't have even known it existed had I not been searching for Mathern Gold cards. This one uses the same picture that he had on his photogenic rookie, which I'm fine with. It's from a game I went to in Orlando. That's, you know, when repeat pictures actually work to your advantage. But um, I've been wanting this for a while. And I've watched this particular copy for quite a while, and it was listed pretty high, especially considering it was a PSA 6, even though I, I couldn't see any noticeable damage on the front of the card. So as some, you know, sellers finally do, this seller converted this, what I thought was a high price, to a 99 cent auction. That's always a a great feeling, Uh, but you still got to win it. 
and I ended up winning this one for around $35 or $40 shipped. And I'm, I'm going to assume, I, I think it's fair to say that that low grade worked to my benefit. Uh, at the same time, I was a little nervous about it too. Because I, like I said earlier, I, I couldn't quite see the damage. I didn't know why it was a six. So, you know, you could get this thing in hand and, and uh, it's just a really bad picture online and, and you end up with something that's pretty rough. So um, anyway, you saw me on my YouTube channel unbox it for those of you that subscribe. As far as I can see, there's some manufacturing damage on the back, but it doesn't really show through on the front. So guess what? That's perfect for me because I immediately cracked this thing out and I put it in one of my binders, and, and with it being a 6, it wasn't even a tough decision. If it's a 10, I probably am going to keep it in that slab. If it's a 9 or below, I'm probably going to crack it out, because otherwise, you know, I, I don't feel like it, it really carries any sort of premium. Um, now, in addition to the low grade, I was a little unsure of what that shine would look like in hand. I knew the silvers looked great, but the scan of the gold auction was pretty dull. Uh, I can tell you now that this thing looks incredible in person. I was blown away by how nice this thing looks. It certainly doesn't seem like a card that should be thrown into a national pack set. I'm sure it gets a negative stigma because of that, but I'm happy to have it. I think it looks great, and I will try to get a picture of that up on my social media if I haven't done so already. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 33 million cards, from basketball's biggest stars like LeBron James and Kevin Durant to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man, Thor, and Captain America. ComC has something for every type of collector. Visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. Okay, and then real quick, some of you have asked me for ways you can help support this show. The easiest way is my eBay affiliate link. And using this link costs you absolutely nothing, just an extra 30 seconds or so of your time, but it helps support the show. To access this link, simply go to waxmuseumpodcast.com, click the eBay logo, shop as planned, so whatever you are going to buy anyway, just click my link first, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey, this is Bob Nettleke, former Indiana Pacer. Played on a few championship teams, had a lot of fun. You know, I'm listening to the Wax Museum podcast, one of the best there is. Okay, so joining me today is someone that I've messaged with for at least four years now. And this past summer, we were finally able to meet in person at the National where we shared Portillo's and pizza and Lithuanian tort. But even if you haven't eaten with Dan, there's a good chance you know him from Instagram where he posts under the handle at the itch for cards. Now, Dan, I don't think I've ever asked you about your online handle. Is there any deep meaning behind it or how did you come up with that name? Yeah, so when I decided to have my own uh, card account separate from my personal account, I had to come up with a name like everybody else. And at the time, I was just really uh, thinking about how I had that itch for cards of, you know, wanting to rip wax or get into breaks and just always that chase for cards. And my original uh, logo was uh, Tyrone Bigsby 
from <laughs> from Chappelle's from show. Chappelle show. Yeah. So it was uh, it was just on the addiction of cards. And, uh, it, you know, everybody seemed to like it. It caught on and uh, I stuck with it and eventually retired the Tyrone Bixby photo and got my own logo. You know, we were talking earlier about I was talking about my nephew and I'm, I'm really trying to get him into cards. And I, I know you've got several sons as well. And it's kind of like I was talking with Eric a little bit ago. I, I feel like either you've got that gene or you don't, but uh, I am definitely still going to keep trying with my nephew. I, I know he's into the Pokemon stuff, so uh, we'll see where that goes. But I guess you kind of have that gene then, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just that chase, you know, what's the next card? And I have to constantly remind myself to to step back and appreciate what I do have from time to time. So I'm not constantly spending more than my means might have reserved for it. Yeah, there is something about that hunt. And I know I, I've talked about it before, but, you know, tracking it down and researching it and uh, negotiating with the seller and then it shipping and then you track the shipping multiple times and then it shows up and it's kind of like, Oh, I got to take a picture of this thing now. And I got to yeah. scan this. And the the mood kind of changes when it's actually in hand. Um, and yeah. you know, obviously that seems a little backwards, but I don't think I'm the only one that's guilty of that. No, it definitely is. There's there, there are cards that I have looked through my account and go, Oh, I haven't posted that yet. Or I don't have that on my account yet, but it's always there for a, a slow week during a holiday week or something. And you want to just play with your cards for the day. And I'll do that for a little bit, post some cards that I haven't for a while. And Well, speaking of cards that you have posted, if anyone's listening out there and they haven't looked at your page before, it's chock full of Boston area teams. So we're talking Celtics, Red Sox, Patriots. I think I saw a Bruins card on there. Maybe Although there is one Peyton Manning rookie mixed in there as well. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Dan, you don't have any Pacers cards tucked away, do you? No, no Pacer cards, but the Manning. I just appreciated the the, the rivalry between him and Brady uh, and respected uh, Manning. And that card in particular is the, I think it's the Brilliance Shining Stars insert, the Pulsar version. The foil on those are incredible. And I just, I, I wanted to collect that particular card. And so... I was looking for Randy Moss and Peyton Manning, which I, I've acquired. I have the Kevin Garnett and a Timberwolves, uh, so I do collect him. So I collect a few players outside of the New England sports teams, uh, primarily just so that I can have that piece of the card history uh, and, and cards that I enjoy that maybe a Celtics player or a, a New England player is not part of. Yeah, and I appreciated that a lot about Fleer in that era as you could and even into the 2000s they had patch sets that were identical for the different sports so i could get my colts i could get my pacers and everything kind of blended together so i'm going to assume just based off of those teams that you grew up in the boston area and aside from a few details you've shared on the pack to the future podcast i really don't know a lot about your collecting past so let's go ahead and start things off there take however much time you need here to narrate your Boston fandom and your collecting history for us. Yeah. So actually it didn't start with the Boston fandom. It started uh, with the Orlando magic. Oh, uh, so wow. yeah. Uh, so in 93, I was in third grade. I would spend my summers uh, with my grandparents that who lived in Orlando and uh, I was down in Florida and, you know, Shaq had just got drafted and 
the excitement around that and just seeing this massive star play for for the team. And so I came across collecting with my cousin. Or he was my best friend at the time. Now is my cousin. My, my, my mom married his uncle. Uh, so we collected for a few years in elementary school. I remember I had this uh, like 50 count box and had 93 Fleer, like Julius serving in there. And I had like a uh, 91 Skybox uh, cards in there. I really enjoyed those. So it started with basketball and then and involved into just getting as many cards as I, I could. And so that, you know, included baseball. I'd go to Kmart and buy the boxes for, you know, 20 bucks and just rip wax and just keep ripping. I amassed quite a few cards during that time, but it was never anything that was really significant. I didn't really understand scarcity and rarity and any of those types of things. And 93 to 96 uh, was when I was heavy into collecting and there wasn't really much rarity or scarcity in that time era, that time period either. But uh, yeah, but don't you kind of miss that time a little bit? I do. I do. You know, that, <laughs> be able to, to buy a, I mean, that was pretty much like a hobby box. It's like 30 packs and mm-hmm. a, a box for $20. And, uh, and I couldn't save more than a nickel uh, when there was a card shop down the street, you know, it would go down and I'd get 94 flare metal singles as soon as I had quarter to my name. <laughs> so that was the early addiction, uh, you know, right. with the it for cards there. So when I entered middle school, things slowed down with the collecting. I did collect a little bit here and there, but I, I got away from it. High school, uh, it got even less, but I ended up going into Magic the Gathering for about a year and a half. And then college came around. I had kids early. I had kids in college. And so my focus and my resources you know, were shifted to that. And so I didn't get back into collecting until probably I touched a little bit, maybe 2004 after uh, the Patriots won their uh, second Super Bowl. And then I got more into it again in 2007 when the the Celtics mm-hmm. uh, were uh, were winning. Garnett was one of my my favorites back in 95. And to see him go to the Celtics was just an incredible feeling. You know, one of your favorite players growing up, you know, is now on, on a local team that you enjoyed watching. You know, Pierce was exciting. I was gravitating towards watching him a lot and went to a lot of games during that time period leading up to the 07-08 season. And uh, it was a quite a high with all the championships and the and the, <laughs> and the, the pursuits. And 07 was the uh, undefeated season with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was just, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, that was a good time. And Red Sox had already won one by then, right? Yep. And so I started to collect some more, started to get more involved with what was going on in the hobby. I got into sports cards forum, buying more on eBay, making trades on sports card forum. So I actually made a couple online trades you send first and this and that. And so it yeah, was- you, uh, you have that branded on your avatar, like a mark of shame. This user yeah. must send first. Yep, yep. So I, I got some decent cards out of there. I got a uh, UD Masterpiece uh, Chronology uh, KG uh, mm-hmm. Auto. Uh, so that was one of my big trades that I got back then. And I got a Randy Moss Auto from a trade. And it was just, it was great to be able to, so I was ripping wax and I was be able to make trades uh, from there on the sports card forum. And so in probably 2012, things slowed down again because I bought my first house and then I picked things back up around 2017. Uh, and then in 2019, I started my Instagram and, you know, it just became almost a part-time job at that point. You know, it was... Uh, <laughs> a lot more involved and, you know, fully committed. And then just during that time period too, it became more mainstream. You know, the, the mm-hmm. market was growing. 
Uh, there was more attention to it. And then really when COVID hit, things really accelerated with just making it more known that that's what I do. That's, you know, right. I collect and uh, you know, people would ask questions about it and help people out with their collections that they, you know, were digging out of their closets and basements and attics and stuff. So uh, it was a lot of fun. So and tra- and started to travel. Uh, he went to the national in 2019, went in 21 and 22. And so it's been been a lot of fun. Yeah. And at least the fact that you came back in 2017, that, you know, it gave you a few years before everyone else jumped back in. And that had to have been a huge advantage for, uh, I, I say advantage, I mean, it's just in being able to help people out, not necessarily in getting one over on people. Yeah, no. And so it was, uh, again, when I was in 2017 to probably until about 2020, it was still about getting all, you know, the volume, uh, Mm -hmm. but I just was getting better cards. And when things changed uh, in 2020, I started to focus more on the consolidation. And like you said, getting ahead uh, in 2017 to 2020 really helped with things that were primarily all the Brady's that I bought. Mm hmm. So, you know, I had probably about six, 700 different Brady cards uh, and had them all in a binder. And it was, you know, I said, all right, I don't think I need 700 different Brady cards. So I started to consolidate those and, you know, put them into patch cards and auto cards and rookies and stuff that are going to appreciate over time. And so it was really good. And then 21, I, I think it was actually 22, I submitted 120 of those Brady's to PSA to get graded and I did very well on it. And so that really helped accelerate the collecting and elevate which cards I'm getting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you took advantage of it. I can't blame you for that. That was uh, good work there. Now we're talking about your favorite teams here. And, and one thing I really admire about your collection, even in all this consolidation is how you've been able to juggle what I would call conflicting interests, because I'll, I'll use myself as an example here. I want to buy more Colts cards but I know that that's going to come at the expense of the Pacers fund. And uh, it's it's just kind of hard for me to do that. But you have a lot of quality stuff and your collection seems very balanced. Is this something you were able to establish from the start or how did all of that really develop over time? Uh, so it was very Patriots heavy at first. And I didn't really get into, I had like a little bit of the other teams, like, you know, just binder collect and put a couple, you know, uh, small pieces and just collected the, the different sports. The only one that I didn't collect at the time was the Bruins. And it wasn't until 21 when I went to my first Bruins game, I said, you know what, maybe I might want to start collecting. And I started to look at those cards a little bit more. And I said, all right, this time I'm not going crazy with ripping wax and just getting volume. So with Bruins, I was very intentional on what I was getting. And uh, I really focused in on patch cards because I really miss the upper deck products and, uh, and and just hockey patches are just incredible. So I really limited the amount of cards that I would get for hockey. Uh, and again, like you said, conflicts with getting something else. So it was really, right. really hyper-focused on what I get for them. But when it comes to the other three, it, it was very Patriots heavy for a long time. And then in 2019, I I met a Celtics collector in China, and he was going to sell a box of Pierce cards. It was 400 different Pierce cards, uh, and it was like 100 bucks. It was all like commons and stuff. And so I, you know, I bought that and I said, okay, you know, now I got a binder of Pierce. And I was getting all excited about that. and, And I was really trying to focus more on Kevin Garnett, but he was with the Celtics for such a limited amount of time. There was only so many cards. And then so getting that you know, 400 plus cards of Pierce, 
really kicked off my Celtics collection. And soon after that, I found a, a, a lot of like uh, exquisite and uh, other upper deck autograph cards from him from Europe. And then the same Celtics collector, he was selling off some of his collection, you know, nice Pierce autos. And so I picked up some of those and, you know, Pierce had liked one of the photos. It was a UD black autograph. And that, that got me excited about, you know, collecting him. And it just, it started from there. And then uh, I got connected with uh, Sholey, who I was listening to through your show. Uh, I said, and this guy's local and, you know, maybe, maybe I can make a local connection. And so I reached out to him and he introduced me to some other Celtics. And we started our Celtics group chat in er- like February of 2020 before COVID. And then COVID accelerated those conversations and, uh, and, and just that influence really pushed me to put more Celtics in my collection. And then it's the same with Red Sox. So Red Sox was kind of falling behind. I realized I was doing Patriots and Celtics a lot and I was getting representation of those winning years and I, you know, felt that the the Red Sox were kind of missing. And so I would start to pick up pieces here and there. And probably the past year, we, I'm in a Red Sox group chat, uh, really focused on Pedro Martinez. And that has just really accelerated things as well. So lately, it's been a lot more Red Sox. Now, you mentioned the local connections there. And I've chatted with quite a few collectors from the Northeast now. And it, it seems like there are so many sports and hobby-related opportunities in your area, be it card shops like you mentioned or card shows or just like-minded collectors meeting up. From what I've seen, you do a pretty good job of taking advantage of all that. So talk to me about maybe what a typical month of collecting looks like for you in the Northeast. Yeah, so one of my goals I started maybe two years ago is to only buy as much as I sell. Uh, so that was an effort to consolidate, but also to focus in on my my spending and and how much I was spending. I, I get to the end of the year, I go, "Geez, I got all these cards, and I don't re- I don't even know how much I spent on it." And uh, but having that goal has really helped, and it's forced me to make sure that I am constantly consolidating moving cards. So I, I do attend one or two shows a month. One of those shows I would be setting up at pretty regularly, and then. There are, I would say, your larger regional shows like Card Vault puts on. So there was one at Gillette Stadium. Uh, They host one at TD Garden where the Celtics play. It's not actually in the gardens right outside, but... Uh, it, they put a great show on and it's very mm-hmm. different than than most shows. It's uh, high production value and, and it draws a lot of national uh, presence as well. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I go to a lot of shows weekly. I, I'm on a Zoom call on Wednesday nights with uh, Steve Howley and and my friend Adam, uh, the sports card king. And uh, so we we play trivia and we talk sports cards every week every week on, on Wednesday night. Yeah, I've learned not to schedule a, a podcast with Steve on Wednesday. That's a no go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a that's a pretty regular thing for going on almost four years now. And and so uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, and we'll meet up every once in a while, too. Uh, so I'll meet up with Steve and uh, Jason, uh, JB Sports Cards. He's uh, local as well. So we'll meet up at either card shows or at a card shop. Uh, I also have a friend, uh, Chico1023. He's uh, probably the largest Gronkowski collector out there. And uh, I met him at a show talking Gronk. And we've become best friends uh, and, and he's, he lives close to me and, you know, we talk probably three, four times a week. Just, we talk sports car, we, we talk life uh, and it, it's great. So, uh, and we're always meeting up at sports shop at sports card shops when we have time and uh, which we have 
an abundance of them too. Uh, you know, I would say local to me, there's probably six or seven that are within oh, wow. 30 minutes. So you could make a whole uh, day or two out of just touring all of them if you wanted to. Yeah, no, the inventory gets a little stale, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> but it, yeah, there's definitely a, a, a lot of options. Now, one thing I've seen on your profile lately is this Boston themed custom card set you're working on. And I saw a clip of them getting cut up the other day. And this cutting machine, um, it's not like the little scrapbooking, you know, paper cutter that I've used at home. This thing looked like the machines I've seen in the Panini Relic videos on YouTube. So this is a pretty serious project. Tell yeah. me uh, about you know what those cards are and how all of this came about. Yeah, so my cousin who uh, we I started collecting with in third grade, he got back into the hobby last year, and he's you know he's very Patriots focused. His uh, Instagram is bs underscore uh, Patriots underscore cards. BS is for, for his initials, uh, but okay. also it's not what, uh, yeah, not what I thought. No, not that, not that acronym, but also it was, has a double meaning because the Patriots uh, were once going to be called the Bay State uh, Patriots, and then they realized it was going to be called the BS Patriots. <laughs> so okay. I think I've <laughs> called them the BS Patriots a few times in my uh, <laughs> growing up being a Colts fan. Yep. So he uh, he got into collecting again. He he started to collect this set that's from Panini, and it's a Super Bowl autograph set that started in 2015. And it's they they dub it kind of what they call a living set. So it's a few cards that are inserted in different sets throughout the years, and it's the same design. Maybe there's a few changes that are very un, you know not noticeable uh, unless you put them up against each other. But it's uh, all players that have played in Super Bowls either that they won or lost, and they started off in 2015 and they inserted it into you know 76 cards into probably more than a dozen sets. And then uh, they continued with that through 2019. There was about 190 cards in there. And they, they again, uh, continued for the past four years. I'm not sure what the total is, but there's 36 Patriot players that are in, in this set. And so he's collected all of them except for Tom Brady because that one's just really short printed yeah an astronomical price uh and they're in script and, and some of them are inscribed too with the uh the oh, super bowl wow. as well so that makes it even more highly collected but so he gets to this uh you know complete at the time because they keep releasing new ones and he, he says to me he's like so now what do i do and i said well i mean there's a lot of players that you would wish that you would get that Panini's not going to make an event and eventually they're going to lose their license. So this whole set's going to stop at some point. So why don't we just start making our own? So we have a family member that is a uh, an art teacher. And so she put together the graphics on everything, showed us how to switch the, the photos and the text and, and the logos out. And so started to do that for a couple of players. Um, we were going to meet up at the National this year and Richard Seymour was uh, signing and he doesn't have one in this set. And uh, Panini, by the way, this set has got a paper version, a prism version. And so when we were deciding what kind of paper we put it on, we printed them on different ones and we got one from Amazon. And uh, I had seen this cracked ice paper before. And so I said, why don't we try that? It can differentiate our custom cards from the rest of the set. Mm -hmm. And and so I really like the the cracked ice. And so we, we went with the cracked ice and we were meeting up at the National and Richard Seymour was signing. And that was the first card that we got autographed. And it was, I was excited about it. You know, here's this project where we've made something that's just for the two of us. And, you know, but it was only one card. 
And it wasn't until recently that when we started to get more of the autographs that I get really excited about it because it's now becoming a collection, now becoming mm-hmm. a set. Because I didn't collect this set. I, right. uh, he, he was the collector and I was doing this for him. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'll just, I'll get one of the autographs too. It's pretty cool. I like the card. And then that morphed into, let's make some for the Red Sox and make some for the Celtics. And, you know, so I like collecting the set and even, if, and so now we've started to make other ones and uh, it, it's a lot of fun and trying to perfect the craft as well. Uh, yeah. And so there's things, little flaws that we see and we want to improve upon. You know, you were talking about the the machinery that we were using. So I have a family member that has a print shop. And so we, we, okay. use, the, we use the print shop. And, and so we have access to some high production equipment. So we just kind of can print as much as we want off and, and uh, you know, cut up as many as we want. But it's been quite a process learning how that goes. Now, um, I've done my fair share of in-person autographing. And I know when you post those cards, more often than not, someone's going to comment telling you that the athlete should have signed, you know, in this spot or should have signed, Hey, you should have used silver instead of blue or, you know, all this other stuff. And I think I've seen a couple of these types of comments on your post too. It's obvious that these people haven't been in these settings before where a lot of times the athlete just takes someone else's pen and and does whatever he wants with it. I think all of your football customs though, were done at paid signings where you might've had a little more control over those factors have you learned any tips or tricks along the way that have helped refine the process? Yeah. So the first signing was with, with Richard Seymour and, you know, we have, we have a spot for the autograph and he just, he's oversigned it. Uh, the other thing we learned was that the, uh, the Sharpie pen was just a little bit too thick for that card. We didn't really care for that one. So we, we moved on to a, a different pen that's a little thinner. And then uh, we also decided to to do some different colors as well. So if it was a modern, you know, the, the newer jerseys from 2002 uh, for the Patriots, it's the thin blue. If it's anything prior to that era for 85 and, and 96, they're using the red which the red will also be used for the Red Sox autographs, which we don't have any yet. And then we wanted green pens for the Celtics. Uh, and so, like you said, the Patriots have all been paid. And even though that they've been paid, it's still challenging sometimes <laughs> to get them to sign in the spot you want them to. Julian Edelman signed one and he signed right over the logo. And he's like, oh, I was trying to be artistic. And it's like, that's not where I wanted that. <laughs> so, right. And also not artistic either. Yeah, exactly. But that was the one outlier and it was the second card. And I was just like, oh man, this isn't going so well in regards to getting them, you know, consistency. But when I got the the Tatum, he was the first one to sign. I noticed that they just, they grab the first marker that's given mm-hmm. to them and they just walk with that. They they keep the marker and they, they just keep moving and signing. And so he just signed right across it, you know, hit his, uh, the, the finals logo and his uh, jersey and not in the spot. And I, you know, kind of realized that like, all right, this isn't going to be perfect consistency. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a black auto for when I wanted the green, but I just, I was over the moon in the fact that I got Jason Tatum's autograph and then Jalen Brown walks by and he signs it. And and I was just over the moon again. I'm like, I got, you know, the two best Celtics on the team to autograph the cards. I like, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to pay for autographs. I, you know, I was, I was so excited. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't even know that you got Jalen Brown. I remember seeing the Tatum. So, um, and that's a a relatively tough signature to come by. Jalen Brown is, uh, so he does do signatures, you know, courtside, but he does not have any autographs currently released. Uh, So he did uh, sign his rookie year. And then I think Mm -hmm. he stopped signing partway through his rookie year. So there was some stickers that were left over that made it into 
the 2017 couple 2017 products but other than that that's all he has so you know mm-hmm. autographed cards are really rare to come by for Jalen brown but De- Derek white signed one he signed it he used my pen with the green signed it in the spot you know and he he came up to it he was like damn you know he was he was <laughs> impressed with the card so one of the other things i learned was that you know to have an extra card for the player Mm-hmm. You know, because they 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 do like these custom cards. They 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 do frequently say, "Wow, I've never seen this before." I've never, you know. And I said, "Well, that's because we made it." And they're like, "Oh, you made that?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So we we hand them a card. So there's really only three cards we produce for one for me, one for my cousin, and then one for the player. Yeah, and I found that when you have that third one for them, and even let them know ahead of time, sometimes they'll take a little more time signing yours, or sometimes they're more likely to sign for you. So uh, that always helps. Now, you were obviously ready with your cards there, and um, you knew you had this opportunity with the Celtics. Did you have some sort of a connection there, or was it just a matter of, of being ready and then right place and right time? So the connection was it was my 40th birthday, and I, for years I've been wanting to get courtside, you know, or, or floor seats. And, you know, so my wife for my 40th birthday bought me floor seats. And so my seat was, if I look straight, I'm looking right at the uh, Celtics bench, right down the Celtics bench and down the sideline there. And uh, I was four rows back, so I was right on the tunnel where they're walking out. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a great spot. They let you in, you know, two hours early of the game. And so I had the cards ready. I put them in a, uh, I, I listened to one of your podcasts that had described how to go about getting autographs. And mm-hmm. one of them was using the the sticky corners from scrapbooking, put them in a little notepad. And, you know, so I had the pages ready and I didn't have to like go sorting and pulling them out of like a binder page or anything like that. So they were ready to go. You know, I just flipped to the page where their, their cards were uh, and, and they just walked by sign it. Cause I knew I wasn't going to have a lot of time. Right. Well, it, it worked out great. And, and now you've added quite a bit to that Celtics wing of that collection as well. So obviously you've worked hard to curate the collection that you want because you've gone as far to even create the cards that didn't exist before, before we close out by talking specifically about, some of your favorite maybe existing cards. I want to try a little game called this or that. And I haven't done that on here before. So this could get interesting, but the premise is pretty simple. I'm going to give you two Boston related cards, or in some cases, two types of cards. And you have to tell me if you could only have one, which one you would choose and why. So let's start off this first one. We'll use a couple of cards that I saw on your profile, pinned on your profile. Um, So your options are, your 1998 Fleer Brilliance 24 karat gold rookie of Paul Pierce or your one-on-one National Treasures rookie season Reebok logo of Patriots receiver Julian Edelman, who you talked about earlier. If you can only choose one of those, which one are you choosing and why? Yeah, no, that's obviously a tough one because those are you know some of my top cards. That's why they're pinned. I- I'm going to pick the Pierce gold. Uh, and the reason is, is that it's just, it's a really beautiful card design. The shine on it is incredible. They don't come up often. And so uh, I made a decision earlier that, well, last year uh, to, you know, collect more of the Celta, uh, Pierce rare rookie cards. And this was one of the ones that popped up. And I looked at, you know, card ladder and noticed that the there was only one other sale in the past four years publicly. And that one went to uh, Nate Turner. And I was like, Okay, so I don't have to compete with him this time. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so I, I did, I, I went aggressive at it and I just really enjoy that card. It's, you know, he only has the credentials now is probably about just as rare as that one. And then uh, he's got a few one-on-ones, not many. So it's one of the rarest cards that he has. Okay. So let's, uh, those were existing cards. Let's go to hypotheticals here. Would you rather have a card from your custom set signed by Tom Brady or one signed by Bill Russell? And obviously, yes, we know Bill Russell is no longer with us, but that kind of adds to the question here. I'm going to say Tom Brady because the opportunity to be able to be in his presence would be great. You know, just he was somebody that I enjoyed uh, watching throughout my my lifetime. So it's, uh, yeah. That would be the person I'd want. He, you might have a chance. You never know. I, I know they're getting these guys into card shops a lot more now with this whole fanatics push. All right, number three. Let's try a pair of cards that um, both happen to be numbered two of twenty-five that you own. Would you rather have your Panini one-in-one timeless moments auto of Kevin Garnett or your twenty seventeen Topps Diamond Icons jumbo patch auto of David Ortiz that has a relic from his final season in it? I'm going to say the Garnett. The image on that is just how I remember Garnett. And uh, it was just a perfect card to capture that. Uh, that was something that I picked up at this year's Nationals. Uh, so, you know, there's, it was definitely a, a chase for that one for a while. The Ortiz, I was really lucky to kind of just have that one come across me. So that it wasn't really a, that was more of an opportunity purchase than a, a chase. Uh, so that that's the Garnett I have a big appreciation for. Okay, so last one here, and, and this one's going to be a little different, and I don't want you to name any specific cards here, so I know that kind of makes it tricky. Would you rather have the number one card in your collection, don't tell me what it is, or would you rather have everything else that you already own? Probably everything else, you know, so as much as I want to get away from the volume and go to the consolidation, there's an appreciation for you know, a lot of the pieces, but... That number one is tough, though. There's a lot of sentimental value to it. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> now that, that I think about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, the reason I, I didn't want to have you name that number one just yet is we're about to tackle the top three cards in your PC. And I know I might have given one or two of them away already. Not the number one, though. By this point, uh, I've gone through this activity with quite a few collectors. Most of them have indicated it's it's a pretty difficult task. So I'm excited to see what you've come up with. Talk to us about your three favorite cards. Go ahead and start with number three and then work your way up to number one. Okay. Yeah. So the, my top three are actually pinned to my, my account to the top there. And you did mention one of them um, is the Julian Edelman uh, Jumbo Colossal National Treasures one of one patch. And the reason why that's I enjoy that card a lot is because I was able to, to source what the, the piece is from. And so that was actually, it's a red Reebok logo uh, on a white jersey. I had sourced it to a prior, from a prior card, uh, but this one, you know, being a one-on-one makes it really unique. Uh, but it, it's actually from the 2009 season, which is Julian Edelman's rookie year, uh, when they played the Denver Broncos in Denver. Uh, and the reason why it was able to source it is because that's the only time the Patriots have ever worn that jersey. Uh, and that was the the white throwbacks, and they didn't win that game. Uh, Edelman had, I think, maybe one or two catches, uh, so he didn't have like a standout game. He was just a rookie, you know, far down on the depth chart behind Welker. And it, it just it was really neat to be able to do that research, identify wh what the card is, and and then to be able to identify it that it's from his rookie year. So mm -hmm. that one's that that's why I like that one there. I think they they grabbed a Brady from that game too they they have the brady jersey right 
They do. Uh, so I have a friend that has the uh, Spectra and, and uh, we were actually the ones that were working on figuring out which game it was from. And then we started identifying more jerseys that were used from that game. And yeah, and I, I enjoy that part of the hobby is identifying the source material. Uh, and that really comes from listening to your podcast and, you know, discovering that that was a thing, you know, so right. it's, uh, it, it's brought a lot of joy into to the collecting. My number two is the uh, 24 karat gold uh, Pierce. Again, I explained that one, why, you know, I really enjoy that. Great design, rare card. And the number one, uh, and I went into a lot of detail on the, the history of this on the Pack to the Future, but it's the Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning 2014 Panini Black Gold, one of one. Uh, and that's uh, that, that has a lot of sentimental value in that, like I said, on the Pack to the Future podcast, I was listening to yours during that time, uh, and I wanted to get a gift for my father who during the Christmas season, and I wanted to make it something special. And so then I, I realized, you know, his uh, love for design and my uh, passion for collecting, I wanted to get him a card. Uh, and so I kind of generated this, you know, attachment to it by, you know, identifying which card would be a good card to gift, gift him. And I, you know, identified this because he lives in Denver, he's a Broncos fan, and uh, he wasn't part of my life in the first 30 years when we met. Uh, and so then when we started talking, we talked a lot about that Peyton Manning Broncos versus Tom Brady Patriots a lot. And so uh, that really helped spur a lot of the conversations. And I'm really close with my father now. And, you know, it, it just really kind of reminds us of those uh, early conversations and that we had. And so it was, a, it was a great gift. So I gave him the number to 25 version. And I kept the one-on-one. Uh, there was just by chance, when I was looking for that card, the one-on-one became available and I'm like, what are the odds? So right. I, I had to get it. Wow. Yeah. And, and like Dan said, there is um, a, a lengthier version of that story on the Pack to the Future Hobby Pack. I think it's their most recent one that they mm -hmm. put out. So make sure you check that out on their channel feed as well. Dan, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. This was long overdue. Uh, I especially liked hearing about your custom card project. I might have to have you back on if that continues to evolve because I, I've seen the changes in it already and, and that's been pretty exciting to see you refine that whole process. Before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to plug your social media handles and then anything else you're working on or anything you might be looking for. These next few moments here are yours. Thank you, Kyle, for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, like I said, I've been a longtime listener. My Instagram is at the itch for cards. Uh, my handle is that for basically everything uh, that I do card related. So 2024 goals is to continue to be responsible with my spending. That's becoming more and more challenging. But with that, there are cards I do want to buy. And so uh, I'm working currently on the impeccable Celtics team set from 2018. So I have several of those. There's a few that I'm missing, like Larry Bird uh, is probably going to be one of the harder ones to get. That's numbered out of 15. And then uh, I do have kind of my wish list. So as those cards come up and the funds allow, I'll, I'll uh, jump on those. Those are on my highlights. But, you know, really I'm, I'm focused probably more on 2024 is getting more of those custom cards done. Uh, and so I'm starting off the year. There's a uh, some more Red Sox players that are going to be coming out in the spring. There's a Fenway card show that's coming. So there'll be some opportunities there. And then Leon Poe and, and uh, Eddie House are signing next month. So I'll be able to uh, you know get more Celtics uh, autographs here in, in the near future. So I'm, I'm just really excited about that. And from that era that you really enjoyed too, you mentioned that 
kind of that 07, 08, that era. So that will be fun. And, and we'll definitely have to get an update on that. Thanks again, Dan. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Dan for taking the time to come on and chat about cards and chat about his collection and some of his favorites. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or X under the handle at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the website for my affiliate links, tag Taco Bell, and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. <laughs>